0: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com.
1: It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. I, I just saw a parody of this song on Instagram the other day that I sang about how incredibly illegal like all of the stuff in this song is. And it was brilliantly done. And then I tried to find it again later, and I couldn't. But, you know, go on Instagram and just waste a lot of time. Maybe it'll pop up for you. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'd like to spend more time reminding people that Joe Girard is the leading scorer in the entire Atlantic Coast Conference. And probably, regardless of making one not-so-smart play late, should have been in the basketball game. Uh, yesterday, uh, But I, I do like talking about the New York football Giants with our, our next guest, Lance Meadow, the host of their uh, their uh, radio broadcast. So Lance, we're, we're yelling about the basketball game from last night, but we will take a break to talk uh, uh, Giants with you and get our heads screwed on late. Uh, how goes you now that the, the season has uh, come to a conclusion as of last Saturday?
0: Well, I think it came to a bit of an abrupt end, given the way that the Eagles took care of the Giants with actual ease. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily surprising, but given the fact that the Giants had a lot of momentum entering that game, it was sort of a bit of a blink-of-an-eye type of digesting process, I guess I would describe it as best. But, listen, now it's off-season mode. I think everybody's turning their attention to some difficult decisions that the Giants are going to have to make with respect to their quarterback, their running back, and obviously turning their attention to another draft class. Is Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and company want to try to build off of what they were able to put together in a surprising season
1: this year. Yeah, and you go back to Saturday night, and that was very much a a reprise of the first meeting in in the regular season. Like, when the Eagles went down the field on that first drive, it was uh uh-oh, and then the Giants went nowhere in their first drive. It was like a big uh uh-oh, and then the Eagles went down and scored again. It's like, well, that was a great season, everybody. Thanks thanks for (laughs) showing up. But, you know, in my mind, not that you want to get blown out by that, but, like, I, I feel it must give the Giants, like, Clear eyes going into the offseason, right? Like the Minnesota game had you maybe thinking one thing. Like after the Eagles game, like you know very specifically, I guess, where you're at right now as a franchise.
0: Sure. And Joe Shane actually talked about that in his season ending pressure. He brought up the fact that they were one four and one in the division. Actually, one five and one if you factor in the third loss to the Eagles. So I, your point is well taken, Brian, with respect to they need to understand This was a productive season, but at the end of the day, if you want to make the playoffs again and you want to continue to move up the ladder, you have to be far more competitive within your division. And I think the Cowboys and the Eagles, it was well documented, are on one tier and the Giants are in another tier so yeah you could say it was a bit of a reminder the playoff game but I would say the same thing if they went up against the San Francisco 49ers let's say instead of the Minnesota Vikings because the Vikings and the Niners obviously were battling for that 2-3 and seed it's possible they would have received that reminder a little bit earlier in the postseason too because I think there was a line of demarcation in the NFC this year and I said this multiple times I thought the Cowboys the Eagles and the 49ers were the three standout teams and I think everybody else clearly was lacking talent and lacking consistency in comparison to those three. I don't think it's a coincidence that two of those three teams are now going to be competing in the NFC Championship game this weekend.
1: Yeah, I'd say, Lance, in my mind, it's just a slightly different thought than yours. I I draw on the line after the Eagles in San Francisco, and, you know, slotted the Cowboys maybe like a half step down, but still ahead of everybody else. But, you know, the point stands. Like, those those three were clearly the best uh, three in the NFC this year. And, you know, same thing happened with the AFC. Like, the three best teams in the AFC were the last three uh, playing uh, and now into the conference uh, title game. So it worked out kind of as it should. This weekend, Lance Meadow, host of the Giants Radio uh, Network uh, with us, as you heard all season here and as you do every year on our airwaves here in Syracuse. And unfortunately, no more this year. But as you said, into the offseason. And that brings up the two uh, major questions that we've talked about time and time again. They are Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So let, let's start with the quarterback. And, you know, everyone said the right thing. Daniel said, I want to be back. And they all said, we want him back. But it, it's it got to be the right place, the right price, the right contract. What, what do you think is like the main thing that Joe Shane is looking for in a contract, be it length, be it total value, be it guaranteed money up front? What, what's like the main uh, thing the Giants are going to be focused on with, with trying to put this thing together for Jones this offseason?
0: Well, I think it's going to come down to the guaranteed money because that's the most valuable component of a quarterback contract. You can really say that about any player because the rest of the contract, more often than not, The player obviously winds up restructuring the deal if he's fortunate enough to stay as long as the contract lays out, or he doesn't see any of that. So I think it comes back to the guaranteed money. I don't think they're necessarily caught up in, do we give Daniel Jones a two-year contract? Do we give him a three-year contract? Because more often than not, Brian, if you look at the structure of contracts, the more years you give, then you have the more flexibility to spread out that guaranteed money. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. And here's the other thing that the Giants have to take into consideration, and they're not naive. If you let Daniel Jones go out and test the market, and we probably would have been having a very different conversation prior to this season, but given there's so many teams that right now are looking for upgrades at their starting quarterback, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones is an elite QB, but I think if you ask at least four to five teams right now in the NFL – They would take Daniel Jones over their current circumstance. So to think that the Giants wouldn't have competition if they try to lowball him or they feel, okay, we'll get him because he's desperate to stay here and he's not going to have any other options, I think that would be naive. So they understand the quarterback market. Hey, everybody has to pay their quarterback. That's the name of the game. This idea that you're going to get a bargain or this idea that you're going to get somebody on the cheap is a little bit ridiculous given the fact that it's not about – who's the best quarterback in the NFL, if you look at how the market's played out. It's about timing. It's about when you're available with Mm -hmm. respect to the market. And right now, the quarterback market, there are guys reaching the $50 million plateau. So the next tier, if we're going to put Daniel Jones, let's say, in that next tier, you're talking about you're on the surface of $40 million. Those numbers seem ridiculous. But with the cap continuing to go up and the quarterback market continuing to go up, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at that $35 million to $40 million range per year. And I think the Giants, they understand that. The question is, did this one season show them enough that they want to invest in Daniel Jones for two years, for four years, for whatever it may be? And I'm a big believer one year, Ryan, doesn't define a quarterback. I think... You want to feel good about investing in a player. I think the Giants do feel that way about Daniel Jones, but would I sign my life away? No, absolutely not. So I think if you could do a three-year deal maybe with a team or a player option, something that gives you wiggle room, God forbid, this doesn't work out, to me I think that's the smartest team play.
1: Yeah, and, you know, hopefully that's where it ends up because – you know, total money-wise, you know, maybe if he's a, a true free agent, and obviously the Giants have the franchise uh, tag to pl- card to play if they uh, need to. But, sure. you know, like the Texans or the Colts or the Raiders, like uh, who knows? You know, teams need a Panthers, teams that need a quarterback could, you know, do something stupid and, and put a contract out there. But uh, I, I think Daniel, you know, put him with day ball, and, and that might be a good little combination uh, going forward. But uh, we, we shall see. It's going to be interesting to, to watch as that goes, as uh, Lance Meadow, our guest from the Giants Radio Network. And Saquon's the other story, and... That's going to be the other interesting test, because you know the Giants have the franchise tag, which I imagine you know it guarantees you money. But I can't imagine Saquon would prefer to play under the franchise tag, as nobody seems to like to do that. How do you think this will get handled? Because you know they'll they'll be outside interest in Saquon, but the running back market is what it is. You, you just never quite know how this is going to go down for a veteran back like him.
0: Well, I think the question is. Do you view Saquon Barkley as a running back, or do you view Saquon Barkley as an offensive weapon? Right. and that's what you have to ask yourself. And what I mean by that is there are running backs in the NFL where you keep them in maybe for first and second down, or they're bulldozer backs. They're used on the goal line. So those are conventional running backs. You're not going to use them as a receiver out of the backfield. You're not going to run plays within the passing attack for them. Saquon to me, doesn't fall under that umbrella. Barkley is a weapon because they utilize him in the passing game. They understand that he is a lucid weapon who can give them game-changing plays. The concern with him, like any other player, regardless of how we categorize him, is his health. Now, he got through this season, but I can say the same thing about Daniel Jones. Does that mean that Saquon's going to play 17 games for the next five years? No, you don't know that unless you have a crystal ball that obviously is giving you that intel, and I would say that's probably not necessarily reliable. So I do think they understand he's a weapon from that standpoint, but to your point, the finances have to make sense. I'd be stunned if they lock him up to a long-term deal because the track record for running backslash offensive weapons is not great when it comes to the second contract. But that doesn't mean that you let him walk for nothing. So that's why I actually think the franchise tag makes a lot more sense for Barkley than Jones. Mm -hmm. A, it's cheaper because you're not bottling up that much money in the franchise tag with that position. And then you give yourself and you give Barkley another year to prove that a, he could get through 17 games, and B, he could be as productive as he was going back to his 2018 rookie years. So, that to me is the most logical move. Don't lock him up. Don't get bottled up in a deal that you could regret if he once again deals with some injuries, which is the nature of the beast of the position. I think you hold on to the franchise tag unless He and his representatives are open to taking a two-year deal, let's say, which is manageable money, and it's a short-term deal where he gets security. You don't have to worry about then the following year coming up with a new deal. That's practical. But you know, players in this day and age, they want security. And I'm sure if you ask Saquon and his representatives, They don't love the idea of the franchise, tag, number one. And they certainly don't love the idea, probably, of a short-term deal. So it takes two to tango, as they say. But those, to me, are the two best options in terms of the Giants' approach.
1: Yeah, it's going to be real interesting because you're right. Saquon is the weapon. And, you know, for much of the season, he was the main guy they leaned on uh, to drive drive the whole offense. And you're still building the roster, right, Lance? You don't want to, if you toss him out... You haven't fixed the entire rest of the roster by by opening day uh, next year, so you, you still you, know, you still need to lean on him a, a little bit next year, I think, for lack of a better word, be, as you continue to, to round out the rest of the thing they're trying to build.
0: Well, he's an attractive piece, but then again, Brian Dable's coming from a Buffalo team as well as Joe Shade, where they didn't have anybody in you- the close proximity to Saquon Barkley. In Buffalo, we're talking about Kevin Singletary. They had Zach Moss, who was recently traded to the Colts. and They drafted James Cook. So I'm sure if you ask Joe Shane and Brian Gable, no disrespect to Saquon Barkley, can they find a productive running back in the draft? 100%. I don't know if they're going to a guy that has the skill set of Saquon, but they can still have a very respectable and consistent run game if they went younger at that position. So I don't think losing Barkley would be the end of the world, but here's the other thing that we can't overlook. You've got Julian Love, who's a free agent at the safety position. You have... Leonard Williams, that has a huge cap number, do mm-hmm. they keep him or do they rework his deal? You know, he already is on the record saying he may be open to taking a pay cut. I'm sure his agent regretted <laughs> that decision, but clearly he said that in passing. And then Dexter Lawrence, who had a career year, they have the fifth year option, so they don't have to give him a new deal, but. What happens is when guys have career years, it makes more sense to extend him, so therefore he doesn't go out and have another career year, and then you're really in a position where he's going to completely reset the market. So the point is we're focusing on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I would argue the Giants have a lot of other priorities and question marks, to your point, with respect to rounding out the roster that – they can't afford to get bottled up in those two guys knowing, A, they have a lot of other voice to fill, and, B, they have to handle contracts for several other key positions.
1: Yeah going to be very interesting to see how Joe Shane handles this. And, you know, it's 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 his roster now. Like, they, they cleared off, like, almost all that dead space from last year. You know, once they do the Galladay thing this year, it'll be, you know, reset as much as one can. But uh, still a long way uh, to go despite the success this season. Uh, Lance, uh, you know, off season I know Mike Kafka's uh, had a handful of interviews. I think he's got a second coming up with the Texans. Uh, Wink Martindale's been out there. Are uh, you hearing anything about the Giants coordinators on the, the head coaching front?
0: Haven't heard anything definitive that they're a front runner of any sort, or there's a major threat that Brian Dable will be losing them. Wink Martindale, remember he actually interviewed for the Giants gig a few years back when they ultimately hired Joe Judge, so yeah, his name has been thrown out there in the past, but. Indianapolis, they have to choose between keeping Jeff Saturday, who has a very good relationship, obviously, with Jim Ursay, or moving on. So I don't know necessarily if, even if the interview goes well, if he would be in the driver's seat, given Jim Irsay put Jeff Saturday in that position, I think, for a reason. And Kafka, his name has really all of a sudden emerged. We didn't hear about him being considered for head coaching positions in previous years because he was working his way up on Andy Reid's staff, so it's a matter of, do the Texans want to give a younger coach an opportunity as they look to rebuild that roster? But, I mean, right now, they're just going through the interview process. I haven't heard anything that there's an imminent threat that Brian Dable will be losing anyone in particular, but I will say this, in the event that, by surprise, perhaps one of them does get a head coaching gig, I do think there's some internal candidates on the staff that Brian Dable could easily turn to to promote as opposed to hitting the panic button and thinking that he's got to make a splash outside the organization. Because remember, he brought a number of individuals with him from Buffalo. Shea Tierney, for example, the quarterback coach, he was with him at Buffalo. Could that be a candidate to move up to O.C.? Perhaps. I wouldn't rule that out. And then Jerome Henderson, who's done a really good job with the secondary, who was on the previous Giants staff with Joe Judge, who worked with Brian Gable going back to his days with the Jets, He could be a candidate to perhaps make a move up to defensive coordinator. So they have individuals that I think can move up as they look to develop this roster.
1: Well, you know, it's uh, it was a fun season to watch, and it's fun to have these problems to talk about in the off season, opposed to some of the last few uh, years where it's just trying to sort through the sort through the rubble. But it's, uh, it was a fun year, Lance, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be touching base here in the off season because you, you know it, it's the NFL; something's going to happen. Stuff always happens in the NFL, so I'm uh, sure we'll be talking again soon. But uh, thanks again for hopping on for a few.
0: You got it. Not a problem. I always say there is no such thing as the NFL offseason. There's no. an event, there's something going on every single day of the week and every single day of the year. So at this point, I can't even separate the season and the offseason. But to your point, it should be very eventful. And I appreciate you having me on, Brian. Thanks a so much.
1: Brian. All right. Lance Meadow, the host of the Giants Radio Network. You heard those games all year long right here on ESPN Radio and the Q's. Final break, final wrap when we come back on uh, QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.